Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Second hour of Bink at Night here on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, the Odyssey app. Christian Ocero, Dusty Likens here on tonight's show. We got you for two more hours. And Chiefs, Cardinals, about to kick off here in just a few moments. We'll keep you updated on the happenings, the goings-on. The players that stand out is they got uh, Creed Humphrey right now showing uh, him doing some warm-ups here. That man's about to play 10 straight years God, in center for the man, Chiefs. Man, he's in, like, here's the thing is, like, he's going to be, like, quietly one of their best. He's going to be one of those guys, like, the real ones have his jersey. He's going to be one of those guys that, like, nobody's going to like. He's not going to get a ton of fanfare. He's not going to get a, a ton of publicity, but he's still going to be one of those guys that, like, when he retires, you're like, damn, Creed was great. Like I think, I think that's going to be the kind of guy that Creed is. Same thing with uh, with uh, with Trey Smith. Trey Smith is going to be a dog, man. I mean, if Mitch Holtis, who's watched over a thousand Chiefs games, compares him to Wheel Shields, Brian uh, Waters, oh. and Brian Waters, oh. sign me up. Yes, and that's a that's a hell of an that's a hell of a comparison right there. I mean, those two guys, some of the best linemen we've seen in Chiefs history. Will Shields is one of my favorite players. Will Shields is one of those guys that you would hear his name when they did the starting lineup of the game, and then you would never hear it again the rest of the game unless he threw, like, a really good block on a run play. That was it. Yeah. You never heard his name the rest of the game, which was which is how you know how great he was. Yeah, I, I love me some Will Shields. I think Trey could be that kind of guy, too. It's it's really amazing just how much value you can find in offensive line. I think Shields was was it like a third round pick, something like that. Yeah, he was he was not like a super high picker. And then you look at his NFL resume, and you're yeah. like, good god. I know Brian Waters. Brian Waters was like undrafted. I know he played in NFL Europe because I, I think he played for Frankfurt Galaxy. I think back when uh, back when like they actually like seriously played young guys there. Uh, you know, and then later on, they were just playing like your practice squad guys there. But he was like a guy that really developed and became a became a star for the team there. So he was signed in '99 uh, as a free agent by Dallas. Yeah, and yeah. then became a Kansas City Chiefs player, and then earned a six Pro Bowl selections during his career, and man, then finished was, up in New England. Yeah, he's so good. And then back in Dallas, I lo- I loved Brian, man. Brian's one of those guys like improbable you know you come from nowhere and you work your way up to the and you become one of the best starters for a team for years man like if you can get have those two guys on your line you're sitting pretty but we'll keep you updated on this game tonight I do want to get into a guy that's really been breaking out this year for the Kansas City Royals a guy by the name of Nicky Lopez and 
yesterday probably had the best game of last night. He had probably had the best game of his career. Just I was I was listening to to the Vern's post game and man, I was, it was yesterday and and I was listening to Vern's post game and like you can hear just how proud he was and being able to talk that way about Nikki and Nikki's just really started. I mean, you look at his stats, he's, you know, hitting the two seventies right now. His on-base percentage is almost three fifty. Um, he's starting to play the way that we thought he was going to play. And the way that he did play when he was with, with the minor, when he was in the minors, a guy that doesn't hit for a lot of power, but hits for good average gets on base. Cause he gets a lot of walks. He can steal bases. He could play great defense. He's like the perfect uh, near the top, if not lead off second in your lineup type of guy. Going to hit for hit for good average, get on base a lot, and it's going to be one of those guys that you trust uh, early on to get on base and help you get guys home. I really feel like this is the kind of guy that the Royals can build around long term. And last year, there was certainly some, a little apprehension some people had, you know, granted it was a shortened season, but you know, he's barely above the Mendoza line. Uh, he's not getting on base as much as you, you would like for him to get, you know, he had some mishaps on defense, but you could still see kind of the sparks there. And and this year we can say that a lot of the playing time that he's gotten this year is because of the Mondi injury. We could say that he certainly has gotten a lot more playing time because Mondi's not out there, so it opens up some uh, opens up a spot at at uh, at shortstop, and you know Witt's kind of playing around. They've got some sometimes they'll play him at second, but he's getting a lot of time because of the Mondi injury. But I feel like now he's a must play guy every game that you can play him. And now it's kind of like, okay, well, what are we going to do with Witt? Are we going to keep him in the outfield, which is what I kind of think you should do, provided Mondi's healthy and he can he can play short. But it, it creates a situation now where the Royals could have a really strong infield in, in the coming years because you still got Bobby Witt Jr. who's just waiting to pounce on the major leagues when he finally gets called up either – uh, late, you know, sometime next month, if not at the beginning of next year, you'd look at him and you'd think he'd take probably the third base spot. And you see what you got at, at first, whether you have to move Santana to, to DH and, you know, figure out what you're going to do at first, whether it's uh, O'Hearn or Dozier. You got to figure that out there. But I really feel like the Royals could have a strong infield if if Nicky keeps playing the way that he does. And I don't think we felt that way going into the in the beginning of the year after what we saw last year, even though it was very limited. And I, it to me, it kind of eases my my worries about this team long term. We still got a we still got question marks about the rotation. We got question marks about uh, uh, guys like Singer, and you know, can he go out there and? be the kind of pitcher that we we thought he was when he was coming out of Florida. Same thing with Kowar. Daniel Lynch has been lights out since he came back. Bubich, he's had some moments, but lately he's been a little questionable. Um, there's some potential there, but it's nice to see a guy like Nicky finally start to live up to the potential. I think that that you, I, everyone who's who's listening, you know, all two people who's listening right now because the Chiefs game's on, uh, I, I think everybody now who followed this guy in the minors and seeing how he play how he's playing now is finally starting to feel a little vindicated because you know we knew that this guy had it in him and it's great to see that start to come to fruition now. I think the best thing that Nicky Lopez can do is he's given this roster 
a solidified spot. Like, Nicky Lopez has earned a spot in the infield. He most likely, in my opinion, will win a gold glove this year at short. He has the highest fielding percentage at shortstop. I don't think it's, I think Vern mentioned today in his postgame that it's not so much a popularity contest anymore. Like, they legit give it to people that deserve it. Um, tell that to Kevin Kiermeyer, who stole one from Alex Gordon. One yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, too, is that he's a perfect ninth hitter in a lineup. He's going to do things for you that you do to reset. Like, you're not going to have an automatic out in that ninth spot like a lot of teams will have. Nicky Lopez is a guy that you can plug in the lineup every day in the ninth spot moving forward. This is with your infield being Mondesi, Witt, Santana, Sal, and Lopez unless you want to officially move Whit Merrifield out into the outfield, which yeah. is a possibility. Yeah. Because if you look at the team next year, left field is Benintendi. Center field, there's still a question mark. Like, do you bring Michael A. Taylor back, who's played a tremendous center field? Because center field in Kauffman Stadium, like Fern says, is a monster. You need a guy that can track that ball and make those reads. Michael A. Taylor does that. So you, I'm okay if you want to bring him back. Right field, you don't have to worry about Solaire anymore. Uh, Hunter Dozier's on this team, whether you like it or not. They gave him that contract extension. And Whit Merrifield's in the in the mix as well. The other thing that you have is first base is probably going to be Carlos Santana. Second base is either going to be Whit Merrifield or Nicky Lopez. Shortstop is either going to be Adalberto Mondesi or Bobby Witt Jr. or um, Nicky. Nicky Lopez. And then your third baseman is either going to be Hunter Dozier or Bobby Witt Jr. I don't know where that's going to go. And then catcher, you don't even have to talk about. So that's where your team is next year. And when you look at this lineup and you listen to guys like Josh Vernier talk about the Royals, Witt's leading off. Bobby Witt Jr. is probably going to hit second. Sal's probably going to hit third. And then the rest of the lineup will fill out itself. Nicky Lopez isn't hitting fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth. He's going to hit ninth, second, or that's it. And he's probably not going to hit second unless they want to start the season off there because what he's done is really kind of reminded me a lot of what David Eckstein was as a player. David Eckstein wasn't one of those guys that when you looked at the lineup, you're like, all right, there we go. We got David Eckstein here. He's going to give us this. But what they're going to give you is kind of that same type of mentality that Tyron Matthew is. They're going to show up every day for their job. They're not going to complain. They're not going to give you an excuse. And they're going to do what's best for the team. And that's how those types of guys are sculpted and made. That's what they do. He's not going to screw up in the field. He's going to play sound fundamental defense. He's going to have that type of stick where it's not going to be 300. It's going to be somewhere around 270, 285. But what they're going to do doesn't show up in the stat sheet. They're going to drag bunt. They're going to suicide squeeze. They're going to sacrifice. They're going to do these types of things. But the best thing they do is they do things that you don't have to worry about. Like you're never going to have to worry about a ball being hit to shortstop if Nicky Lopez is there. And what Nicky Lopez has done is he's taken a small group of haters at the beginning of the year that said, why is this guy on the roster? And he's made them now believers. And if there's one thing you can do in this sport, that's it. You make people believe in you by just showing up and doing your job. And he's not going to be that guy that's the straw that stirs the drink, or he's going to be the guy that's going to do things. But Nicky Lopez is going to be that guy that's just a staple. He's a solidified exclamation mark where he plays in that field and where he's at in the lineup because if your ninth hitter is hitting 270 to 290 and they're they're playing gold glove shortstop, hell, man, I'm good with that for the next five to ten years. And that's, like, really interesting because 
at the beginning of the year, it looked like he might be dead to rights as far as his spot goes because you got Witt playing second. You got Mondi playing short. Uh, you got Dozier playing at third. There were some question marks about where he fit in. I mean, you could move Witt to the outfield, but you know, you had Solaire, you had Michael A. Taylor, you got Benny. So you're looking at it, it's like, okay, where does Nicky fit in, especially if his bat really isn't very good where he's struggling to be above the Mendoza line. There's some questions about whether or not his value was uh, good enough to where you can you can put him out there as, as the Cardinals go three and out on their very first series. Um, but there's some question marks about could you play him every day? And obviously with the Mondi injury, it, it became a situation where you had to play him every day because you needed someone out there that you could kind of trust to fill in that spot. And the fact that he's been under the kind of pressure that he's been, where he's basically playing for his job every single day and he's thrived in that role. He's put in the, in the nine hole where there's low to no expectations and he's going out there and, 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 you know, almost 350 in uh, in his on base percentage. You know, hitting in the 270s as far as uh, as far as batting average. That says a lot. You know, and he's not he's not trying to trying to swing for the fences every time he's up there. He's just trying to get good contact and and put it in a spot that the defense is not, so that he can get on base. And that's something that I think I I think this team really needs. He's very much the kind of guy that the Royals. Uh, would have wanted back in like the 2014, 2015 squads where he was a move the line guy. And you had all these different guys that were willing to go out there and do what they had to do to advance guys. Uh, you know, I, I what was it? He had a home run and a, and a sacrifice bunt in the same game. Hell yeah. Which is just, a, that's a hell made of a, a thing. heck of it. And those weren't even his best highlights. Yeah. He had defensive gems as well. Like it says a lot about the kind of player he is. He's the perfect kind of player that the Royals like the kind of guy that's willing to go out there and do whatever he has to. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll hit into a home run, but there's times where he's like, Hey, let me move a guy into scoring position. Or let me move a guy to third base so that we can try to get a run out of this. Like the, the have that ideal, that mindset, uh, instead of being like, yeah, well, I'm just going to try to go out here and, 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 you know, knock the ball at the park every time I'm at the plate. Uh, that says a lot. And I, like I said, I know he's wanted to get some more power. He's been lifting weights to, to try to get a little bit more power there, but he's only got, I mean, that was his first home run of the year yesterday. Uh, the fact that he still is keeping that same mindset of just getting good contact, that shows you that he, his mind is in the right place because we know we've seen for years when hitters come in and there's pressure for them to hit. Uh, sometimes they start swinging too hard and trying to knock it out the park and you just get good contact, but you, you have easy fly balls in the outfield. So Nikki's emergence is something that I think could really help this team compete in the near future. So uh, I'm very, very happy about where he is in, in 2021. And I think that he could be very integral for a run next year if the Royals do have the kind of run that we were kind of hoping that they would have this season. Coming up next, keep you updated. Chiefs are driving right now about midfield uh, there in Glendale, Arizona. But I will tell you whether or not you should be really worried about this number two wide receiver battle. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. <laughs> Time <laughs> almost had a Chiefs touchdown there. Yes, solid first drive. Solid first drive. Chiefs did get a fourth and three. 
Then they had to call a timeout because they almost ran out of time on the play clock. Went for it on fourth and three, though, after the timeout. Got it. My guy, Demarcus Robinson, got the first down catch on a drag route. So Chiefs are in business. Doesn't look like Tyreek Hill's playing, though. I think he might have had that last round. I'm not sure. It that was like, Hardman in the end. Oh, zone. was that? Oh, yeah, was that it was Hardman. Hardman. Okay. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I don't. They're yeah, lining up with it. Looks like Hardman and Pringle. Yeah, and it looks like Clyde's night might be over too because Daryl Williams has gotten a majority of the uh, of the offensive shares. But uh, of course, obviously, if you want to hear this game, 1065 the, the Wolf, our sister station, they got you covered. Do you really need to see that many starters though? Like I'm good. Like no. they said, they're going to play the first half. This has literally been a seven minute drive. I'm good after this, Chris. I, I know good. that's going to piss a lot of people off because people are so horny for football that they want to see their guys out there. I don't want to see anybody else. I'm I, good. I'm good with this. Hey, I'm on the same page, dude. I, I Like I said, we, we talked about this before right. in the last hour. If they get a good first drive, that's it. Like, and, and they're running a lot of screen passes, mind you. They are. I'll tell you this. I, I am 100% down with them running the screen passes. If it means that they can get some of these big men out on the, in the flats oh, and yeah. kind of open things up and save Mahomes some, some potential damage you could take from getting hit. Like I'm all about it. Like the chiefs and, and they got another fourth and two now, and they're probably going to go for that again. Andy's look like he's getting ready to call for a play, but like it, like seriously, like it, I am, this is it. Right here. This is the drive. You can put Chad Henney in after this. I've seen all I need to see. Uh, I'm good enough with these guys. McColl, uh, he he almost had a drop on on, on on a play, but he was able to crowd it in right right before he got hit. Uh, and they're going for it. So I'm I'm all about this. Give me uh Chad Henney after this. <laughs> but yeah, uh we're gonna keep you updated on this game. Uh, Mahomes just got their first down on fourth and two. So, Please stop scrambling. Yeah, just, yeah. Just don't scramble. Yeah, he doesn't need to scramble anymore. He did scramble on that play. Yes, he, he did. And he dove. And he dove. Head too. first. He dove head first. He already had the down, and he dove. Yeah, no more diving. He needs to slide on that. He's good to go. This is a 11-play, seven-minute and counting drive. I don't need to see anything. And clearly, Chris, if we do want to give a little bit of what we think we're seeing, this seems like a game in which – they're just trying to see where this offensive line is at because there's been at least five screen plays. They're running like they're getting everybody out and stretching this offensive line out, doing a lot of pulling, a lot of running plays. It looks like in this preseason game, Andy just wants to see where the offensive line is looking when it comes to season four. It looks a lot like uh, the early years of Alex Smith where they're like, okay, let's get these guys into space. You know, our, our receivers, our running backs out in the flats. Let's just get them the ball short. Let them get yards after the catch and let's see what they can do in open space. Let's let our big guys go out there, open things up. Let's not take a whole lot of risks. The chiefs don't want Mahomes getting hit, which makes perfect sense because you know, we know this is a meaningless game. They're playing on the road. It gets a team that's got talent on their defense. So you don't want to, you don't want to risk things here, but the chiefs very much are uh, trying to play it safe as possible while playing most of their starting offense out there. Uh, like, 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 uh, Dusty said, I I've not seen is Kelsey out there. He is. Yeah, he is. Okay. I was about to say, I, was like, I, I, I he, he, he has, he doesn't have any catches. I don't believe. No, nah, I mean, um, he's out there running routes, getting that, uh, you know, getting that work in, but yeah, yeah there's, he, he there's no, reps. there's no Tyree kill. And they just showed Mahomes like cover his ear. There are no plays on the wristband. None. Like there's, None. there's nothing to be shown tonight except for yeah. where this offensive line is, 
where the defense is. That is all they're doing. And the only thing that's a significant note, Patrick Mahomes has no kill switch. Like no. he thinks it's week seven <laughs> and they're playing for a dub as he did a quarterback keeper on a fourth and two and dove head first. He dove and he already had the first down, mind you. He already had the down and he dove for like two extra yards. Golly, man. You, things you hate to see. I know, right? It's like, I mean, I understand you want to dive in week one against the Browns. You're trying to get that down on the first drive to establish yourself. You don't need to make that dive against the Cardinals. <laughs> but hey, hey, that's the reason why we love we love Patrick Mahomes because he's willing to go out there and make that dive. Uh the the Chiefs will be attempting a a go ahead field goal here as they did not convert on third down. So I do want to talk about this number 2 receiver battle as we just saw that uh it's very much in play here. They did not play Tyreek on that first drive, which means that they're probably not going to play Tyreek at all tonight. That means that guys like McCall Hardman who had a catch, I believe, on that drive. Just one catch. Uh, Demarcus Robinson had at least one. He had the the fourth and three conversion, the the first fourth down conversion that they had on that drive. Uh, you got Byron Pringle, who's competing there. Uh, they've got names that they're trying to establish here for this this number two receiver spot. And this has been one of the biggest topics for the for Chiefs fans and media alike this year. And I understand because traditionally you would like your offense to have two. Re- I mean, one, obviously one number one receiver. That's going to be great elite top of the line. And then you'd like to have a number two that is close to that. If not someone who could be like in that eight to 900 yard and four or five touchdown, that could be a good complimentary piece and someone that you can stretch the defense with. If you need to that could be reliable on third down, et cetera, et cetera. But the Chiefs really already kind of have that because you got Travis Kelsey, who is basically a number one receiver. He's look at his production, it's a number one receiver. And then you got Tyreek, who is also a number one receiver. So right now, the number two receiver spot is basically your slot receiver in terms of the production that they would bring. And if you look at the production that someone like McCall Hardman has brought, uh, it's not that much different from Sammy Watkins' production. Now, Sammy's had his injuries and whatnot, but still, like, if you look at average yards per game, the last two years, McColl is is actually above uh, Sammy Watkins in yards per game. If you look at touchdowns, uh, McColl Hardman, the last two years, has more touchdowns than Sammy Watkins does in the regular season. And now, granted, the one thing that we loved Sammy for was the fact that you could trust Sammy in big games to show up if the defense was doing a really good job against Travis Kelsey and against Tyreek Hill. And certainly, I think that McColl could be that way. But, like, I'm not as worried about this number two wide receiver position as a lot of other people are because it's basically a number three receiver. And if you can get... 700 yards from your number three receiver. I think a lot of teams would take that, especially when your, your top two receivers are both putting up number one receiver productions. Like if McCall has 700 yards and five touchdowns this year, like how many people are really going to be angry at that? The only people that are really going to be angry at McColl for not putting up a, a real great season are the ones that are looking at him and thinking that he could be a potential number one in the future. And even if as a number three receiver, he gives you, he gives you a 705 touchdowns. That's pretty damn good. And you're like, okay, this is a guy we might be able to rely on. All McColl has to be is what Sammy Watkins was when he was here, 
reliable in games where you need him in. He could have like, you know, usually like once or twice a year, we'd have the Sammy Watkins game, the game where he goes over a hundred with a touchdown or two. Um, but most of the time he's just a key guy third and long. He'll get you that down. Um, that's the guy that Sammy was with this team when he was healthy. That's all that McCole needs to be. McCole does not need to be uh, Tyreek Hill this year. He does not need to be Travis Kelsey this year. He just needs to be a solid third option that you can rely on on big downs when he gets open. And he needs to be somebody that a couple times, maybe two, three times, you can trust him to break out and get you the kind of yards that you need in order to to help you win when Kelsey's having a down day or if uh, Tyreek Hill's having a down day. So I think that we've kind of overblown this number two receiving battle because really you're just asking for a guy that's going to be solid most of the time and great maybe a couple times a year. To me, you're just looking for the fourth option in the offense. Number one is obviously Hill. Number two is Kelsey. You can flip those either way you want. Three is going to be Clyde. Yeah, and that, then the four is just make yourself the fourth option in this offense. Because one thing they're going to do is we're going to see this many, many times. Man, Tiberius Ward just doesn't well, That's work. a hell of a tackle uh, right there. The thing that this this offense needs, uh, and for me personally, is that you just need the solidification of the fourth option. Because in a lot of games, moving forward, as long as the Chiefs have this core together, it just depends on the who they're playing defensively-wise somebody's going to take away your number one option. They're just going to either try to bracket Hill or bracket Kelsey. And then all of a sudden, if you can make yourself a solidified number four option, you're now the number two option in that offense because they're going to take away your number one. They're going to have a two and a three. They're not going to use Clyde Edwards on third downs unless it's a screen. So make yourself useful. And that is one thing that I will always say is that Sammy Watkins, for whatever reason, he always knew when he had to step up and he was fine accepting that role. And I get it. This team doesn't have a lot of me first egos. In fact, they don't really have any. This team knows what their role is. These guys know who they are. Kelsey, Hill, Clyde, even even McCole Hardman. And the thing is, is if they can all just solidify what their role is, it makes that offense that much more dangerous because what's the thing that we talk about in basketball all the time? Yes, you're going to have your teams like the Golden State Warriors. Steph's going to be the number one shot taker. Draymond's going to be the defensive guy. He knows what his role is, and it makes that team better. Draymond's not the guy that's going out there every night thinking, I need to have 30 points. But he can if he needs to because he knows when his role is of a significant motions and, and when it is that part of that role is to be that person. Draymond's role every game, get 10 assists and get 10 blocks or 10 steals, not 10 blocks, but get 10 steals, get 10 assists and get 10 rebounds. It's never get 10 points. It's get these others first. And that's what McCole Hardman basically has to be. I don't need McCole Hardman to have a thousand receiving yards and over a hundred catches. I just need McCole Hardman to have 700 receiving yards, seven touchdowns and you know, 65 catches. That's a great year. That might be a Pro Bowl year for McCall Hardman. Oh, yeah, that's but the good. minute he figures that out and he has that solidified in his brain that that's what he is, that makes this offense so much more deep. And if you want an example, watch KU basketball this year. That is a team that has a loaded roster of talent. And by the time they get into conference play, everyone's going to know where they are because of what Bill Self does. And again, collegiate athletes versus pro athletes. But the thing is, these types of teams that become successful for a long time, are the teams that know what their role is. And this is a team that everyone is pretty much capable of doing that and will be able to do that. And that's something that, that Sammy Watkins recently spoke about uh, with the media. He basically said like, you know, when I was in Kansas city, I had my role. 
I, I wasn't going to go out there and be a big yardage, big targets, big catches guy. He wasn't going to be a big touchdowns guy. He was just going to be a guy that played his role solid on third down, solid in games where they needed him to be. And, and you know, he'll have the occasional breakout game. And that's where we trust him at. You know, he had that amazing dagger play against the Titans in the AFC championship game uh, early last year. Like, that's the kind of guy that you, you want on your team. Someone who accepts their role and does it to a T. You know, had a big game in, in the Super Bowl when they needed him the most against the 49ers. Like, that's the kind of guy you want. And that's all he has to be. And that's not a ton of pressure. Like a lot of people are kind of making this out to be a a much bigger pressure situation than it is. And certainly, like I said, I think it's just because people are looking at him and they're like, we think he could be a number one receiver. And because of that, because of the expectations, because of the idea that he was drafted to be the replacement for Tyreek, had he been suspended or cut or whatever, then that's the kind of pressure that he gets. But I don't feel like he needs to be that. As long as he is a Sammy Watkins type, I think he'll be fine because Sammy Watkins was just a complimentary piece behind a lot of great players. And he could be your fourth option behind Clyde because it seems like they really want to, uh, they really want to get the ball to Clyde a lot more this year, not just on the ground, but in the air. Chiefs right now still have their 3-0 lead over the Cardinals. Cardinals just punted, uh, went 3-and-out again. Really good defensive stops there. Um, it was at Charverius Ward had a hell of a tackle there on 2nd and 2. So uh, Chiefs are back on the field. Who is that? Is that Henny at uh, quarterback now? Or is that, is that That's still Pat. Still Pat. That's a Pat's 5 on the right Pat. side, what? man. Start the drive. Oh, going, oh yeah. Whoa, really? I, I figured after that drive, that last drive, they'd have, they'd have taken him out. But no. Patrick, yep, Patrick's still on the field now. So uh, we'll keep you updated on this cards and uh, and uh, Chiefs game as they are just close to the end of the first quarter, a few minutes left in the game. Plus, coming up next, i tell you why Rodgers might be overestimating his influence on the NFL. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Back in here on Pink at Night, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Kristen Ocero, Dusty Likens here on the show, keeping you updated on this Chiefs-Cardinals game. Cardinals got the ball back. Chiefs went three and out. Mahomes was back on the field for that second drive. I was surprised. But uh, Cardinals right now haven't had a whole lot of luck here. In the uh, in the first quarter, Chiefs defense has uh, done a pretty good job thus far. Um, oh, oh man, Woo. Chris Jones is, Chris is a Jones? damn animal, man. Is that Chris Jones? Oh my He's a, god, he was dude. just double team split oh, it and still god. got there. Oh my god, dude! I was I've been talking about this over under ten sacks. Over. Okay. Over. Michael Strahan. No, and no, this and this nah. defense with Spags. Oh my! I mean, that'd be great. What Spags no. did with Michael Strahan <laughs> was unreal. That was unreal. I'm gonna tell, yeah, he came off the edge of that play and got a sack on Kyler Murray. I'm going to tell you this, man. Bink thinks that he should and still be playing. Yeah, he did. He thinks Bink thinks that that he should still play. He's going to do most of his damage on the inside still. I don't think so. Oh, man. I think, he's, I think on the edge, dude, 
Like, he has been murdering people in camp in one-on-ones. Like, murdering people in camp in one-on-ones. I do, if, if he is on the edge, like, obviously, like, you're going to get tight ends chipping. You're going to get running backs chipping. But, dude, if he gets a one-on-one straight up against a tackle and there's no help, I mean, he's going to be a problem on that edge. Like him and when Frank comes back from his hamstring, oh, my God, dude. I'm telling you, that's going to be a scary pass rush. You had Jaron Reed in the middle. You had Derek Nottie in the middle. Oh, man, dude, this defense, they could be they could be a show this year. I'm actually really excited about this pass rush. So uh, we'll keep you updated there. Uh, the uh, Cardinals will be punting now in fourth and 20, 23. So they have not had three good series. I don't know if you're going to see Kyler Murray or any other guys on that uh, of the ones for the Cardinals back on the field. Um, I do want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had some comments from the uh, the Levitard show earlier this week, and he talked about uh, his impact on NFL quarterbacking. The one thing I don't understand is is when people talk about, you know, or have talked about in the past about my decision-making, like I'm too conservative. Uh, I don't necessarily understand that one. I don't know if that's a – that just doesn't have a lot of intelligence around it too. You know, when the position is – I feel like I've been a part of revolutionizing the position because I take care of the football at a, a rate that no one has before um, in the history of playing the sport – and now you look around the league. When I first got in the league, there were plenty of guys who were throwing 20-plus interceptions in a season. That wasn't unheard of, and it wasn't grounds for a guy getting benched. You know, now there's multiple guys every single year through less than 10. I mean, that, that was unheard of for a long time. I think when, you know, when I threw 30 and, and less than 10 the first time, there was very few guys who had done that, you know, in the history of the league. So... Uh, the league has changed, and taking care of the ball is the most important thing. And being opportunistic as well obviously helps. And I think last year I did that pretty good. Look, he absolutely played a part in helping the efficiency of the quarterback position advance. He absolutely did, and you got to give him some credit for that. Um, and, I mean, he was one of the guys. Tom Brady's the other one. Tom Brady uh, – 2007, 50 touchdowns, eight picks. Uh, he didn't have a, a 30 and less than 10 interception uh, season until 2009, where he went 30 and seven that year. Um, but still, those two guys are probably at the forefront of the efficiency uh, evolution of the quarterback position, where before you look at the top guys, the top quarterbacks in the NFL, most of those guys were double-digit interceptions. You know, 11, 12, 13 picks a, uh, a year. And, you know, Montana was doing it. Marino was doing it. Like, all those guys were doing it. You know, Peyton Manning. Look at how many double-digit interception years he's had in his career. It's a lot. I mean, he was that gunslinger guy. Um, same thing with Brett Favre. We already know he's the model for the gunslinger in the NFL. It's Patrick Mahomes. Back in the game. On the third drive for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes back out there. Well, that's a, that's a surprise, but um, but yeah, like he was the model for for gunslingers in the NFL. And uh, you look at the way that the quarterback position has advanced, and I don't feel like the evolution for the quarterback position has happened in that way as much. If anything, I think maybe his greatest contribution, it wasn't really just him. It was a lot of guys that were part of it. 
is the fact now that there is kind of a requirement for mobility for quarterbacks. And that was the one thing that I think Aaron Rodgers really helped push along. Because before, the prototypical quarterback was the Tom Brady, the Peyton Manning type. Not super athletic, but really strong arm, really smart. It was the the cerebral aspect that they liked. But you wanted to have a strong arm, could command the team, had great leadership skills, things like that. And that's what you wanted in your starting quarterback. But now it's more so these guys are athletes. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a very he's 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 a little bit underestimated as an athlete, though I think now like a lot of people respect his ability to run. Like Alex Smith was that kind of guy too, where uh, you look at him and you just think, oh, you know, he's smart, takes care of the football, doesn't do a, doesn't do a whole lot of great things, but he'll take care of the football. He'll he won't kill you with his plays, and he uses his legs to make make great plays when you need him to. Um, that sort of athleticism, I think, is probably more his influence on the game than is his ability to take care of the football. Because there's a lot of quarterbacks you can look at now, and the way that guys are calling these games now, as uh, we get to the end of the first quarter, Chiefs up 3 nothing as they uh, go to the second. And there are a lot of advances at the quarterback position from the way that they call plays. They call a lot of shorter routes. And also you have to take into account that they changed the way that they enforce coverage in the NFL before he got into the league. In 04, they changed the way that they enforced the Mel Blunt rule so that now these guys can't really be harassed as much as they were before. And that meant that these you started to see an increase in in uh, passing yards per season from quarterbacks. You started to see an increase in touchdowns back in, you know, back in the, you know, when I was a kid growing up in the nineties, like if a quarterback threw for 3000 yards, it was, it was, it was pretty much like standard for the top quarterbacks. And if you threw for 4,000, that was like a great season statistically. Nowadays with the changes to the rules and whatnot, 4,000 yards is going to kind of be the standard for top quarterbacks, especially now that you have a 17th game in the season. So, I feel like he's influential, but he's had a lot of things that have changed to have helped the game advance along. And I think that the efficiency aspect is probably a little overrated. The athleticism aspect is probably more his contribution. And when you look at it, Patrick Mahomes has really advanced the athleticism more than he has because he's doing things right now that we've never seen quarterbacks do in the league. And I think that his athleticism is something that you're going to see quarterbacks mimic the way that he throws the football, the way that he moves around the pocket, the way that he runs when he needs to, and the instincts he has to run. I think those are going to be much more influential than what we see from what we've seen from, uh, from Aaron Rodgers in his career. Yeah. I mean, you look at what Pat, Matt Mahomes did last year. I think he had what one, do you have one interception? When they played Miami in like week 13 or whatever that was. Yeah, I think he had one pick on And you, then he yeah. had three in that game. Yeah. Because Xavier Howard is just a stud. So good. And, but, I mean, he had three picks in that game, and he had one going into that game. So, yes, it's kind of there. Like, it's where they just don't want to throw interceptions as much in the game. A quarterback has definitely changed. And, oh, by the way, you think Mahomes is good? This defense, three consecutive three and outs. Man. And, oh, by the way, the Cardinals <laughs> had a total of zero yards in the Z- first quarter. Woo. Zero. <laughs> I know it's preseason, man. I get it. Yeah, okay. But we still get hyped about zero yards. You're still playing Kyler Murray, man. Yes. And he runs and he got zero yards. He got nothing. And Chris Jones just made people just look stupid. Back to back sacks. He'll get you a Big Mac tomorrow. Buy oh one, God. get one. Yes. Man, I'm surprised they put Mahomes back in there. 
I really am. I really thought that they were going to. You take think him he's out there, there yet with Andy, where he says, "Man, I want to keep going," and Andy's like, "Sit down." He's like, "Come oh, on, one more play." All right, this is it. I think That's he it. is. I think I, he is. I mean, I'll tell you this: if he comes out after this series and he really wants to, yeah, yeah. yeah. If he comes back out, after that's this. pretty much what they would say most of the first half. Yeah, because technically it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really honestly think he's he's got cachet. He got pulled like that. He's calling his own plays now. Yeah, he's got pulled like that. They are reviewing a catch there by uh, is that Pringle. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Brian Pringle. Reviewing a catch there, so uh, they're gonna start the uh, they're starting the second quarter off with a review on a catch on the sidelines there. Um, coming up next, I'm gonna tell you why. In it, one of the normal things that we'd be worried about, as far as the Kansas City Chiefs in, in regards to their offensive lines, not something that we need to really be worried about this year. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Final few minutes of the second hour here on Bink at Night, 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com. Patrick Mahomes back out there, start of the second quarter. Chiefs are driving. They Give them are the bad in, news, though. Yeah, um, uh, Daryl Williams being evaluated for a concussion right now. And, uh, oh, man. What is he doing? What is Pat doing? Golly. Pat, Not to give play-by-play, but golly. Man, Pat is, oh, he's playing this game like it is the playoffs. I will say this. I don't know. This has got to be his pet. This has got to be Patrick's last series of the game. This is now twice. Now that wasn't as that wasn't as bad of a hit as 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 we thought as it looked in in real time. But Mahomes now has had two scrambles, two plays where he has scrambled on. And man, like uh, I, I know that I know that he wants to make the great play. He wants to carry this team. He's got that competitiveness in him, that Michael Jordan attitude in him. He does not need to be running like that, taking hits like that. Just slide, dude. He had the down again, just slide. But Chiefs are driving again. They uh, they are very aggressive in this game. I mean, they are very aggressive. They're running a lot of short plays. They are not throwing it down the field. I don't think they've – have they thrown a pass over 10 yards maybe once in this game? I don't think that they've – thrown it over over 10 yards once maybe once in this game that's it yeah it was, I think there was one incompletion that was over 10 that was it though like they are not throwing it down the field they are running the Alex Smith offense to a T right now and Pat's looking like Pat and they are uh doing a very good job of getting the ball deep into Arizona territory right now uh yeah Daryl Daryl Williams is currently being evaluated for a concussion so Jarek McKinnon is getting time out there and he is uh, seeming like he's it, him and Darwin Thompson are making the most of that. Darwin Thompson. I mean, that man needs to, he needs, I mean, I'll say this. He has been working hard in camp since he came back from, from the COVID reserve list. Uh, I went up there a couple weekends ago and it, you know, we, it got rain. It was a Sunday. It got rained out. Mm. Uh, that was not fun. <laughs> I mean, it was pouring down. Uh, and yeah, it, I mean, but Darwin was out there doing reps, getting passes out there. He's been working. It's, it's him and Tyron Matthew who've been like the first guys out there at, who were the first guys out there at camp pretty much the whole time. Cause, cause Darwin's trying to make this team after he got COVID. So 
Uh, he He's surely trying to do his part. But, man, this is the game right here that will decide Darwin's fate probably at that running back spot because Jarek McKinnon had a very good training camp and a lot of people are expecting him to make this team. Um, man, though, I this Chiefs defense – they are they they have looked very impressive against this uh this Cardinals offense. Cardinals offense got some weapons. You obviously got Hopkins, you got Kyler Murray who's I mean, this will be a second year where he's kind of a dark horse MVP candidate. And he looks he I mean, he's he's looked like someone who is really young and inexperienced. Even though it's I mean, he obviously has turnover issues, but still, this defense is making it hard on him. And if this performance is a precursor to what the Chiefs defense can do uh, long term, man, I, I think we got something to be excited about here as the uh, Chiefs are now in uh, a first and goal situation here, trying to get their first touchdown of the game and trying to hopefully end Patrick Mahomes' night with a touchdown to uh to basically get Chad Henney in there, make sure Mahomes ends up on a good note and we start seeing some of these uh, backups get some time. But coming up next, we talk about this Chiefs offensive line and why I don't think we should worry so much about them starting all these young players. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. It's baseball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 